Last week, we spoke about the, the um, closing section, number one, of Psuche de Zimra, which is Vaverach David at Hashem, and we discussed the <coughs> text of it, we discussed the history of it, the um, story of David, David HaMelech, as he gave this speech to his followers following the coronation of Shlomo HaMelech, his son, um, or during the coronation, really, who was only 12 years old, and we discussed the possible reasons for why Vaverech David was included into Pesuke de Zimra. And unfortunately, it's a mystery of history exactly when or why uh, Vaverech David was added to uh, Pesuke de Zimra. Uh, there's a bunch of different theories. The Taurus has one of the most uh, prominent ones, which is that Vaverech David and Azia Shir both contain the 15 Shvachim with which we... Um, the 15 Shvachim with which we praise Hashem in Yishtabach, and therefore they're a fitting introduction to Yishtabach. Other theories um, we saw from the Hasidic Ashkenaz, for example, that it was hearkening back on the on the brachot of Baruch Hashem Lo'olam. Uh, we saw that the Mikubalim spoke of the section of Averech David as leading up to a union with Malchut, so to speak. Uh, there's a, a certain form of union with Malchut, which is a meditative, on a meditative sense, which is happening during Az Yashir, and that's the lead-up which is going to happen in Vaivarech David. Now, Vaivarech David itself, um, the first section of it, is from the Divrei um, Hayamim, from the speech of David Melech, which is recorded in Divrei Hayamim. But in the middle of the section which we read, there is an abrupt shift, and suddenly it begins speaking from, we begin reading from Nehemiah. Now, Sefer Nehemiah is not actually its own Sefer. In uh, t- today, it's not, for example, when you count the Sefer Tanakh, Ezra is considered one Sefer. Ezra includes both Ezra and Nehemiah. Um, later in history, because of a lot of the Christian printings of the Bible and other printings of the Bible, um, what happened was is that they got split into two books. Um, so you had a lot of even Hebrew printings which printed Ezra and Nehemiah separately. Even for millennia, Jewish scholars referred to Nehemiah as Sefer Nehemiah, but when it came to, uh, because it's its own area of, of Sefer Ezra, but in the counting, in the early times it was all printed as one. Today we find it, in the past few hundred years, we find it printed separately. That You have Ezra first, Nehemiah second. Regardless, Sefer Nehemiah, is where this comes from. And just, we should just preface with what Sefer Nehemiah is, where, you know, what the historical context of it is. So the Sefer Ezra Nehemiah was written in the, during the end of the Dor Nevi'im, at the end of the, the, the latest prophets. The Ezra, for example, was the head of the Anshei Knesset HaGdola, which was the men of the Great Assembly who led B'nai Israel through the end of the, uh, the beginning, I should say, of the second Beit HaMikdash. Now, that historical period happened after the story of Esther. Uh, we know that before Esther, the, the, the Megillat Esther, what happened was is that the king before Esther, I think it was Koresh, um, ordered the building of the Beit HaMikdash. Then what happened was Achashverosh became king, and he ordered the stoppage of that, and he ordered that they stop building the Beit HaMikdash. And then Esther's son, or whoever he was, Darius, Dariavesh, however you pronounce his name, Dios, he uh, ordered the continuation of the building of the Beit HaMikdash, and they completed it in his reign. 
uh, that's a rough sketch of what happened during that time. Um, and Nehemiah, Ezra basically uh, left Bavel a few years after um, the first contingency of Jews went back with Zerubbabel. There was a there was a large amount of Jews. Sorry, well, relatively small, very small. Only a few thousand Jews left um, in the first first pilgrimage, like forty three thousand, because it was almost like a post Holocaust. Most of the Jews felt very uh, despondent. I think is the word um, that the that the Beit Hamikdash was destroyed. So during that period, it was very hard for Jews to cope with the idea that they, that Hashem would welcome them back into Eretz Israel. So very few people came back to Eretz Yisrael. Ezra himself didn't go back, even though he was a leader, he didn't go back immediately because his Rebbe was still alive and he wanted to learn by his Rebbe because Ezra was responsible for, he was almost like Moshe Rabbeinu. He was responsible for teaching to, not Torah Shebechtav, but Torah Shebaal Peh. And he had to learn everything from his Rebbe clearly before he felt ready to go back to, um, to Eretz Yisrael and lead the people over there with the Zerubbabel. And Ezra went to Eretz Yisrael and he found that the survivors, the remnants who were still there in Yushalayim were, you know, in a very sorry state. A lot of them were Amaratzim. Some were violating Shabbat. Some were mar- had married non-Jewish women. Shemitah wasn't being kept. And so he and his, uh, co- and his colleagues uh, rebuilt the Jewish um, uh, presence there. Sefer Nehemiah opens with Nehemiah serving on the court of Daryavesh. Now, it calls him Atach Shasta, I believe. Let me just see, like, Exterces uh, ex, uh, uh, or something in English. I don't remember exactly how we, how we say it in English. Um, he was one of the Persian kings. It, does, it identifies him simply by the, by the Persian moniker. But he was in the court. He was an official in the Persian court in Shushan Habira. He was the wine cup bearer for the king. And the king um, asked... Uh, Nehemiah, what, basically a, a group of emissaries were sent from Yushalayim to ask Nehemiah for his help because the Jewish people there need, needed his help. There was enemies that were breaching the walls of, the, of Yushalayim. The Beit HaMikdash had been mostly completed, but there were walls around Yushalayim which had been breached and people were getting, uh, were getting attacked here and there. So they told him that the situation is dire and we need your help. So he approached the king and he told him, that um, I really need to... But he didn't really approach him. He, he saw his face was sad. And he told him, why is it sad? There's a whole story here in Nehemiah, exactly how he got permission. And the king sent him with, uh, with uh, provisions, and he sent him with money and timber and, 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 and guards, and he sent him all the way to Yushalayim to go help the people. It's incredible how influential the Nevi'im were at the time. Very powerful people and very influential. And so the Navi Nehemiah came to Yushalayim, and in 52 days he managed to, you know, to charismatically bring the people to uh, repair the walls of Yerushalayim. And they repaired the walls, even though they were very poor, and he made, they worked really hard, and they protected themselves against certain people who were trying to, to undermine Nehemiah, who were trying to even attack the, the rebuilding crew. It's a very interesting story. So at the end of Nehemiah, the, Nehemiah and Ezra assembled the people of of Eretz Yisrael, of Yushalayim, to a fast. Basically, what happened was is that they separated everybody from their wives and they taught them to keep Shemitah, etc. But then came Sukkot. It was the Sukkot of that year. And for some reason, the Sukkim described that they never kept Sukkot properly since the time of Yehoshua, whatever that means. The, the, the Mephrashim deal with what that means. But 
Sukkot happened, and then Isruchag, they had a fast. And this is where this, this tefillah comes in. So after, after Isruchag, they were allowed to have a fast. They wanted to have a fast to atone for all their sins, so to speak. And they taught them Torah because these people didn't know the Torah so well. They taught them Torah, and they, and they davened for, for half the day, and they were, did Cheshvon uh, HaNefesh. And at that stage, um, after the fast, the Nevi'im, the people were very, uh, what's the word, they were in, in a lot of grief that they had committed so many sins. So the Nevi'im told them, no, you don't understand, today is a Yom Simcha, today is a day where you're receiving the Torah again, today is a day which Hashem is very happy, He's not, he's not angry at you, you're all doing Teshuvah, and this is, uh, you know, something joyful to Hashem. So they instructed them to be happy, and they understood. And Ezra read the Torah, and it was basically they tried to change it to a happy uh, affair. And at this point in Perak Tet, in Nehemiah, the Leviim were instructed, probably by Ezra or by Nehemiah, to stand and to say Shira. So it says, Ve'yakam amaleha Leviim, so on the steps of the Levim in the Beit HaMikdash, there were three steps which they used to stand on. Uh, the, the following Levim stood up. Yeshua, Ubani, Kadmiel, Shivanya, Buni, Sheravya, Bani, Chinani. All these Nevi'im. Ba'yiz'aku bekol gadol al-Hashem elokehem. And they, and they cried out in a, in, a, in a voice to Hashem, their God. Ba'yomru ha-Levim, Yeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Chashvani, Sheravya, Hodiya, Shivanya, Pitachya. Kumu barchu et Hashem elokehem in ha-olam ve'al-olam. Rise and and bless Hashem from this world until the next world. And we already have seen that, we've already seen that the, the, the language in the Beit HaMikdash to say a bracha was Baruch Hashem Elokeichem or Baruch Hashem Elokei Yisrael Min Olam Biyad Olam and the people would respond with Baruch Shem Kibod Machut Olam Ba'ed. Therefore, this next part of the Pasuk is Vivarchu Shem Kibodecha Umromam Al Kol Bracha Tila and uh, bless his, uh, his glorious name, and he is higher than all forms of brachotila. And then the rest, which we're most with most of us are familiar with, is atahu Hashem levadecha, atasita The rest, which we read um, here in the siddur. So I'm going to assume that most of the listeners and everybody here is familiar with the words of um, of this section of Averach David. We're still going to go through it, but um, I want to discuss first the liturgical history we just covered the um the the biblical history but i also want to cover the liturgical history and when and how this came into the siddur um before i do that i'm sorry i left out a little bit of the biblical history here there is a part here where we said al Hashem, that they cried out to hashem and then after the vizaku part there's another i don't know if you noticed that at first it says and they cried out, and then Vayomer Halavim, and then they spoke. This and list their names again. So the Gemara in Yoma, and the Gemara in Sanhedrin says that there were two things that was happening here. First was a tefillah, second was a, was a, was a was a halal, was a shvach. So what was this tefillah about? So there's a big a long story there in the Gemara, which we looked at maybe in the second or third shiur, I don't remember. Um, there's a story in the Gemara where it says that the elders of the Nevi'im um, prayed to Hashem to abolish the, uh, the lust for Avodah Zarah. Today's day and age, there are people who practice um, 
polytheism, but not because there's any specific uh, draw towards polytheism. It's just simply because they're weak-minded and they believe in many gods and they have these silly religions. But in the time of uh, the Avot and in the time of Tanakh, there was a specific Yitzer Hara, an evil inclination, where people lusted to uh, serve idols. And we don't have any relationship to this lust because we, we don't experience it today and we don't know what, a, what it is. But the reason we don't know what it is is because the Nevi'im actually prayed for its ab- abolishment. And the story over there is in the Gemara that this Vayizaku al-Hashem, this is talking about that episode where in the Beit HaMikdash they proceeded to pray to Hashem. They said, um, let me just, actually I'll get the Gemara, give me a sec. Okay, so this is what the this is what the Gemara recounts. It says Ve'itzaku el Hashem. It actually has a tzadi instead of a zayin. Maya amaravi itemar biochran vai vai haynu haida chaveli mikdisha vikaliyale hechale la this evil inclination to destroy the temple and burnt the sanctuary vikatlinu lekuli tzadikei and it killed so many righteous people vaglinu liYisrael and this uh, evil inclination which exiled bnei Yisrael me arhon from their land. And it is still dancing among us. Hashem, the only reason you gave it to us was in order so that we should receive schar from fighting the Seitzahara. We don't want it, and we don't want it schar. That's it. We're, we're done. We can't deal with the Seitzahara anymore. A letter, a note, fell from Shemayim. The word on it said, Amet, that Hashem agreed with um, with with the the claim of the Nevi'im. Uh, we learn from here that the seal of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Emet, the word Emet, which is truth. Now, the, um, the Gemara actually goes on to give a more detailed account of what happened afterwards, a very Kabbalistic thing about the a baby cub lion coming out of the fire and a very interesting thing that the Mephashim deal, deal with over there. But the general idea of what's happening is that in their time, Ezra and the Anshik Nesset HaGadola were responsible for bringing B'nai Israel from a, from a generation of prophecy to a generation that didn't depend on prophecy and they weren't going to have prophets to tell them what was the right thing to do and, and uh, how to serve Hashem. They were moving them into a generation which had to, to survive alone on the Torah. And they had to teach B'nai Israel that it's not Eretz Yisrael, which is, it's not the land of Israel, which is what makes you a nation. It's not the land of Israel, which is what uh, empowers you. Having a land is not, is, is not the focal point of our religion. It's the Torah HaKtosha, and this is what they were trying to teach the people. Now, because they realized that the, the door of Nevi'im, the generation of prophets, was coming to an end, there were very few people alive, if any, who were going to be uh, on the level to be prophets, and nor could they transmit the Torah with that quality ever again, they made a very um, painful decision. So, Alpiha Kabbalah, it is known that the source for the, originally the source for the lust for Avodah Zarah, there was a certain pleasure derived from doing Avodah Zarah, that came from a channel of the Olam of Atzilut, of the, the world of Atzilut. And we know also that Nivuah comes from a channel from the world of Atzilut. And therefore, they made the decision to beg Hashem that He close off that channel, He close off access to the Olam Atzilut, and therefore they would have basically a win and lose. 
On the one hand, they would lose Nivuah, and the other hand, they would win by destroying the the uh, Yetzirah for Abodah This is something the Gra says in in um, Seder Olam Rabbah, and they made the sacrifice. And this is what the the previous pasuk right before the the Tihilah is. So they they prayed Hashem, they, and they abolished the lust for Abodah and then they praised Hashem after after that episode. Now that doesn't really give us a better connection for why why this follows Vayverech David. Um, from a mere shot standpoint, it doesn't help us in understanding why the coronation of Shlomo HaMelech should be followed by uh, the song of the Levim here. If you wanted to put them together with Pshat, it would be easier to say that Vayverech David speaks to us about the importance of the Beit HaMikdash and recognizing Hashem in our world and why David HaMelech devoted his life to letting everyone, everyone recognize Hashem in this world and he attributed all that to Hashem and then that was for the building of the Beit HaMikdash and then later you have a similar shira where they also finished the walls of Yushalayim and they were singing shira to Hashem for recognizing Hashem in our world. That's basically on a pshat level what we could work out to try to bring a, a similarity between Atahu Hashem Levadecha and and Vayverech David. But otherwise, there's, um, it's very difficult to find a reason to connect them. So now, I honestly couldn't find the rationale in the Rishonim and the Goanim, which was satisfactory for explaining why we add this section. If you think about it, this section doesn't even speak about those 15 attributes which the Torah spoke of, uh, you know, with, which we're saying Yishtabachan. So you don't have the Torah's reason, right? We don't have the, 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 the reason of the Budurham and the Torah that, that uh, we're saying it for the 15 Shvachim. So why add this section? The Rokeach says, and we saw this last week, that to say Vaverech David was a Minhag Kadon. That was the original old Minhag we had was to say, uh, you know, Halulu Kel Baruch Hashem L'Olam Amen V'Amen, and then we said Vaverech David until the Shem Tefartecha. That was our Minhag back from the ancient days. But what happened was, was that Ravna Moshe HaZaken, who came from Lusa, which is in Italy, and Rabbi Hoshua came and they instructed us to begin saying from, the, from Atu Hashem Levadecha all the way until the end of Az Yashir. And that's how we've been doing it till now. In the Siddur of Rav Shlomo Ben of Shimshon Mejermeza, from, from Worms, and the, the bottom, they have a footnote there where they have another Girsa in uh, the, the Siddur Hasidei Ashkenaz, and over there it says that there was actually a city in, in Franco-Germany uh, at the time called Narbonne. And in Narbonne they kept the old minhag. They, they always used to end it right by, um, by L'Shem Tefertecha. They, uh, they didn't continue with Az Yashir and... Now it's in France, Narbonne? Where is it? Southern, Southern France? So, oh, it's never been in Germany? Oh, so I'm wrong, Not sorry. the one I know Okay, my bad. So, so, so in southern France, there was a place called Narbonne, and over there they kept the old minhag, but predominantly everyone started changing their minhag, and their girsal is not Rabbi Yehoshua, it's Rabbi Yeshaya Hashoshani. That's, that's his name, some mysterious rabbi who happened to come to their area, and he told them that they should be reading from Atu Hashem Levadecha until the end of Az Yashir. We saw already in the Tshuva of Renatronai Gaon that he says that Originally, in Bavel, we would finish Pesukit Izimran, we would be Chotem right there, and we would uh, seal it, we would finish, uh, it sounds like we said Ishtabach right there. Doesn't, it's, not, it's not clear what he means by the end of Pesukit Izimran. Did they finish it with Baruch Hashem Lalam Amen Did they finish it with Faverach David? 
he he only makes it clear that we, they didn't say as yashir in in uh, in the, in the yeshivot of Bavel. So that much we know that they didn't say as yashir. But how much of Averchtavi they said? Sorry, they said is not clear. Um, the also the the kabbalistic. Uh, I don't know why I put this here, but the the kabbalistic. Um, uh, connection isn't so clear. The Sharkavanot himself doesn't speak about this section so much. The Shla and the Yaivitz both say that there is a connection, and they don't. They don't really. They they both agree that there is some sort of Kabbalistic connection, a highly technical one, but they don't explain themselves very clearly. And the only thing they disagree upon is whether or not the first pasuk has any connection to Pavirach David. So we the Svaradim. Um, we we start the second part with Vivarhu Shem Kvodecha right? So this is the second half of Pasuk Hey. So this says, and you should bless Hashem. Instead of saying Kumu Baruch Hashem Elokeichem in Alam Olam, we start with Vivarhu Shem Kvodecha Moramam Akol Brachatila. This half Pasuk exists in the Torah, the Abu Dirham, the Machsor B'nai Roma. They all have to say this. The Ashkenazi. Sidurim, the early ones, don't have this. The Rokeach, Masavitri, they, they just don't have this addition to say, Vivar Hushem Kvodecha, Umaromama Kobracha Otila. And the Shla says that it's correct to have this Pasuk. Why? Well, first of all, there's Kabbalistic intentions in here. And second of all, he says that it connects the previous topic. We just said, um, and now Hashem Modi we're going to praise to you and we are going to praise the name of your splendor and we will bless your glorious name it flows very well according to, to the Shla the Yavitz says no the Yavitz disagrees he says first of all Kabbalistically you shouldn't say it and I'll tell you I have a reason why you shouldn't say it and second of all it doesn't even flow nicely <laughs> the Yavitz doesn't even think that it flows nicely for some reason from Mahalalim Hashem Tzvartech the Vivarchu Shem Kvodecha doesn't flow you should go straight to Atu Hashem Levadecha. But he says a very interesting reason why Kabbalistically you shouldn't add Vivarchu Shem Kvodecha Maramama Kvodecha Baracha Otila. And he says uh, well besides the Kabbalistic reason he gives a halachic reason. He says the Gemara Antanit says we don't, we don't actually say half psukim so uh, we shouldn't really be saying half a pasuk and this is probably why the Rish Ashkenaz Rishonim didn't say half a pasuk. But Kabbalistically he says that the, from the first word of Averach David until Atahu Hashem uh, Eloki, Atahu Hashem HaElokim, right? You are Hashem, the God. So we saw last week that the Arizal says that from Verech Davidat Hashem all the way until Atahu Hashem HaElokim, you have to stand, right? Until the, uh, from the first four words to the last, those last four words, and then you could sit down. Why is that? The Arizal said that that's because this section is a tikkun of the sphira called Keter. Whatever those words mean, that means that you have to stand by any time we have some sort of tikkun or rectification of the sphira of Keter, we have to stand. And this is true by Baruch Shamar and it's true by Verech David. So Verech David is Vav Dalet Aleph Yud. That's a remez to the, sh- to the shame of Aleph Hey Yud and Hey. The last four, four uh, words are Atahu Hashem Alokim. That's Aleph Hey and Yud and Hey. Those are the names that, that uh, represent Keter. Therefore, we have to stand. Says the um, says the Yavitz that if you omit then you add up all the words come out to Pei Zayin, eighty seven, which is exactly the amount of words we had in Baruch Shamar. Baruch Shamar is also a tikkun of Keter, and Paz means uh, like a platinum crown, like Roshok uh, Ketem Paz, 
and therefore Paz is always a remes to Keter, and therefore we omit these words in order so that Fevrech David, this section should be a Tikkun of Keter, and you should have 87 words. Fascinating thing I didn't notice. I actually counted them, and I found 88, but I, maybe I miscounted. I'm not, I'm not sure how he got the count. 87, 88, it's the same thing. All right. <laughs> so... One more thing um, that I put in my notes here that I shouldn't have actually left out regarding the biblical history is that the, um, I, I mentioned before that the Levim uh, were the ones who said the Shira, but historically speaking, uh, the Rishonim say that it wasn't they who, they who composed it. It was actually the Nevi'im who composed the Shira. Rashi in Baba Batra, Aleph, and the Gemara itself in Brachot says that it was a Navi speaking. And he says that it was, the Gemara says that it was composed by a Navi, and that's a very interesting thing, because the, that would say that the Levim themselves weren't on the level to write a Shira this good. So it means that the Navim had to write it and then instruct the Levim to say it, because of all the profound concepts inside of it. So um, now I think we'll look at the uh, text itself um, in the Zanach, in the, in the, in the, the, the Sidur. And we'll go through the, the basic shot of it. Maybe we'll look at a little bit of the remez. And, and then we will call it a night, Bezat Hashem. So the, let's go through the words. Say, Atahu Hashem Levadecha, Pasuk Vav. Atahu Hashem Levadecha, you alone are Hashem. Ata Asita et Hashemayim. You've made the, you have created the, the heavens and the heavens of heavens, and all their legions, the land and all that's upon it, the oceans, and all which is within them. And you enliven all of them, and the legions of heavens to you, they bow. So, the one of the Mepharshim, the Ralbag, he typically um, dissects this entire Shira in a philosophical sense, and he says that, first he points out, obviously, that the bracha is, you know, that, that this is the style of bracha that we do in the Beit HaMikdash. But secondly, he says that levadecha means that you, Hashem, alone are the prime cause of all existence. This is a philosophical idea that Hashem is the prime uh, contingent and the, the first cause, that all existence is caused by Him, and He alone is, has true existence. All other things don't have true existence. And the reason they make this distinction, and this is made in Kabbalah as well, is because something that has true existence is generally something which we understand has permanence. If it doesn't have permanence, most would agree that it doesn't have a true existence. And therefore, our existence only exists contingent on Hashem's creating us. And therefore, it's like throwing a ball up into the air, and it's eventually going to fall down. Yeah, it might be in the air now, but it, it is going to fall down. So true existence has to be something which has permanence. And because all of our existence depends on Hashem's will for us to, to exist, and because we don't know that to be permanent, therefore we don't have any true existence, and Hashem is the only one who has a true existence upon all with other existence is contingent. That's, that, that's the idea he lays out. Uh, Kabbalistically, he doesn't mention this, but it says, Atahu Hashem Levadecha, and the Ata, I was telling this to Yardain last week, that the Ata is spelled in the, in the, in the Nehemiah without a He. It says, Atahu Hashem Levadecha, leaves out the He. And the 
Hasidim say that the reason for this is that um, the hay represents five different uh, parts of theme, and there was some sort of tzimtzum that when Hashem was alone before He created the world, Hatu Hashem Lavadecha, you Hashem, before you created the universe, and before there was any other existence, Hashem had to um, he had to constrict or contract his existence uh, in order to allow any other creation to exist. And that's represented by the hey. Also, we know that it says uh, in his creation of them, that Hashem created Shemaim Vairetz with a hey. That is the Misorah we have from Chazal, that the creation of the lower worlds happened with a hey. The Yud and the hey and the Vav and the hey. The hey represents the creation of the lower worlds. So that's why the hay is left out in the Atta, because in the Ketiv, uh, there's a Ketiv and a Kri here to signify that the hay was contracted in order to allow for the existence. What are five parts of Fim? It's uh, obviously a technical uh, idea of the different, I think it's Keter and then Chochman Binar, or something like that, some different configurations of, of the Sefirot. Um, okay, so now... Shemayim, in the view of the Ralbag, it says Shemayim, 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 the heavens and the heavens of heavens. So in their time, they were very philosophical, and they all believed a lot in their science at the time. And so in their science at the time, they had something called celestial spheres. We've spoken about this before. And celestial spheres was how they understood the laws of angels and motion and nature and all the things that were controlling our world. And so Shemayim, in his view, are the eight spheres which surround the earth. And Shemeya Shemayim are the suborbital spheres. He's be very technical, but there's spheres and subspheres, and the subspheres are the ones which service the motion of the spheres, and the Tzva'am are the stars. And what does it mean, Vakula that all of them bow to you? That Lucha uh, Shemayim Lucha Mishtachvi means that all of them, not that they bow, but the sense, the mean, the the meaning of the the sense of the word. Of the, of the phrase is that they all serve Hashem. All of them serve the purpose of serving Hashem. And according to the Rabag, the rest of the of the of the, the Shvach, starting from here, speaks about Hashkacha Pratit, how Hashem uh, made himself known to the rest of humanity. And begins, the story begins that Hashem is going to show his after creation, after Hashem, crea- after Hashem created the world, he wanted to make himself known to mankind. And that story begins with Avraham Avinu. So it says, Atu Hashem that you chose Avram, you took him out of Orkastim, and you made his name uh, Avraham. And you found him to be faithful, and you, and you signed a treaty with him. Okay, so that's the, 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 the view of the Rabag. Now, just to, to make a few uh, observations into... Uh, the, those psukim. So the the pasuk uh, in Zion says mi orkastim. That sorry, yeah. Let's start with that. So, orkastim. There's two views as to what orkastim means. Some say that originally in in ancient lashon hakodesh, or and ir are similar words. That or means city. So orkastim would mean the city of kastim. Another view is that there's or and ar. Or means light, or means fire. And so Orkastim means that Hashem took him out of the fire which they lift for him to burn him alive in Orkastim. So it's referencing the Nes. This is what the Midrash speaks about. Now, the Avraham. Now it says that he took him out of, uh, that he, he chose Avram, and then he made his name Avraham. 
So the Psukim in, in Breshit speak about this, that Hashem, after Hashem made the bridge with him, he told him, I'm going to call you Avraham and you're going to be Avhamon Goyim. And you're going to be the father of the nations. So I just wanted to show you uh, regarding this point. There's a famous Kmaram Brachot, and Dafyu Gimel Madalif. It says, um, uh, it says, starts with Avram uh, over here, and Dafyu Gimel Madalif. Avram hu Avraham, Bitzchila. That that originally he was an he was a father to Aram. That's why he's meaning the place where he lived. He was a, a leader in Aram, and then he became the the father of the entire world. He gave birth to Ishmael and Yitzchak. She was a, an officer to meaning a leader of her nation. And eventually she was master of the whole world. Mar goes further. Whoever calls Avraham Avinu Avraham um, is over, he transgresses a positive commandment. Hashem told Avraham Avinu, and your name shall be called Avraham. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, over Belav, no, you transgress a negative commandment. That Hashem told him more specifically, that you, your name should no longer be called Avraham. So the Gemara says that there's an isur, that there's actually a transgression to call Avram Avinu Avram, uh, isur which the poskim say is not an isur deraita, it's an isur derabanam, but there's an asmachtav to this pasuk, that you cannot call Avram Avinu Avram. And the Gemara asks, how about Sarah? Hashem also said that you should, uh, says the Gemara, Hatam Avraham, Hashem was only instructing to Avraham, Hashem called Yaakov Yisrael. How could you call Yisrael Yaakov? Says the Gemara, Hachinami Shani Hatam. Sorry, Shani Hatam de Hadar de Hadre Kra Dichti, Vayomer Lokim Yisrael, Vimarot Halayla, Vayomer Yaakov Yaakov. Because Hashem himself called Yisrael Yaakov, we see that Hashem in, uh, that didn't endorse, but he uh, sanctioned the use of the name Yaakov as well, because Hashem used Yaakov even after he called him Yisrael. Mati Rabbiosi Baravin. Rabbi Baravin asks a very powerful question. It says in our pasuk that we just read in Nehemiah, So we see the Navi calling uh, Avram Avinu Avram. How can you tell me that it's Asur? He said to him, No, over there it's a prophet speaking. This is the Gemara I was talking about earlier, that the prophet is speaking and he's saying Shvachim of Hashem and he's saying a Sipur Maaseh. He's not calling Avraham Avram, he is calling, sorry, he's not calling Avraham Avram, he is simply saying what happened, that Avra, that somebody whose name was Avram became Avraham, and he's saying over the story, so it's not a sort to do it in that in that sense. We also know the Pasuk says that the hay represents Avhamon Goyim, that Hashem says, I'm going to make you, uh, uh, what's the, the language here? That Ki Avhamon Goyim Nesatich, I'm going to make you the father of throngs. Of, of many nations, the Gemara Nedarim in Lamed Gimel, I think I'm a bit, it says that the five, the, the hay represents the five limbs which Avram Avinu didn't even have power over. It's his two eyes, his two ears, and Otomakom and his, his genital area. Those were the, the organs which he didn't have 100% power over, he only had 99% power over. And after he received the hay in his name, Hashem gave him total dominion over every, every faculty of his body, especially after the Brit Milah. Um, and he transformed his entire, uh, you know, his entire being to, to one that only served Hashem. Every one of his limbs only served Hashem, which is why he actually had to force his arm 
to uh, to uh, to obey Hashem's command because uh, he wasn't allowed to kill. So he had to like it says that he he stretched out his arm to do the akedah. That stretching was because he had to actually you know force force his body to do what he thought was what the body thought was against the will of Hashem. So very interesting thing to add to add the hay. Also, there's a Gemara, a sorry, Gemara Nushami, which says V'charot Imoha Berit, that he signed with him a treaty, is speaking about the, the Yitzhar Hara. It's very interesting. That doesn't mean that Hashem signed a treaty with Avraham. The Gemara Nushami says that Avraham Avinu signed a treaty with his Yitzhar Hara. And he says, we're going to sign a pact that you're not going to bother me anymore. <laughs> and, he, and he signed that treaty. It's a very weird thing that the Gemara says, but this kind of, this kind of thing happened after the Brit Milah that Avraham Avinu did. Don't know how that works. Don't know why that works. But that's basically uh, what that mysterious Gemara says. Um, actually, David HaMelech, the, the Mikubalim say, can't, he had to kill his Nafshi Chalal Bikrbi, that David HaMelech murdered his internal Yitzhahara because he wasn't as powerful as Avraham Avinu, and he had to simply get rid of him. Um, <laughs> whatever, whatever any of this means. Okay, so... Vikaroti Mohabrit and he uh, and he signed with him or he cut with him a, a treaty which is referring to the Brit Bain Habit Tarim and referring to Brit Mila. Um, let me just see how much time we have. Okay, we're running a little on time. Um, and it says Haknani, Hakiti, Amori, Haprizi, Vavusi, Vagigashi, and it's missing out some of the nations that Hashem promised Avramavinu. Uh, he also uh, promised him the 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 Kani and the Knizi. I think there's a, a whole list. The Rifaim. He he promised that he was going to give them give him uh, the hands of ten nations, and over here it's only saying seven. So the the Mefarshim say that the addition of the the remaining three or four. Sorry, I mean one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, the remaining four. Um, are going to be given over in the time of Yemot HaMashiach. Those four nations, whatever that means, are going to be delivered. That that Hashem is going to uphold His word. That's going to be in the time of Yemot HaMashiach. Um, and then it, it continues with the Nisim. And this is actually, this helps us understand why this section was added. Um, the 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 sex the section of the, the, this section of the tefillah which starts with Vivar Hashem tefillah, um, it ends up the the section in the that we read ends up speaking about Yitzyat Mitzrayim and Kriyat Yamsuf, which is a great introduction to Azia Shir. And um, so it says here, and you saw the oppression. Oh, sorry, because you are righteous. Um, the the Malbim points out that what does it mean Kitsadikata? That, that he's righteous, not that he's righteous that he was going to keep his promise, but he's also righteous for kicking out the nations because he did it because they deserved it. Not just because he was keeping his promise to Abraham, but also because they were bad people and Hashem wouldn't have punished them if they didn't deserve it. And you gave uh, one signs and wonders to Paro. And because um, you knew that they acted purposefully evil against them and, and you... And you made for yourself a shame. You made yourself recognized, like today, which is the, the day which the Levim are speaking. And the, the, the water split before them, and they passed onto the dry land. And you, and you um, threw their pursuers into the deep waters like a rock into the, to the, um, into, which falls into the water. Now... I think what's left is to look at um, 
the Pirish of the Malbim briefly. I just want to look at how the Malbim understands this, which is actually pretty proto- prototypical of the, Mal- of the Malbim. Um, we, we looked at their Albag, we looked at the basic shot. The Malbim here, he sees this, this shear as very prototypical of his basic theology of Hashkacha Pratit. He says that it begins with Atazit um, Shamaim, uh, so that Hashem basically makes himself known to us in three different ways. In, in the Malbim's world, he's very into Hashkacha Pratit and Nochach uh, and Nistar, and Hashem's way of, of uh, presenting himself to us in a way which is miraculous and presenting us to himself to, to, to us in a way which is natural. So in his theology of divine providence, the, the, these three things are mentioned in this shir. Firstly, that Hashem made the world, that that's Hashem as the creator, uh, of the creator of the world. Then you have Hashem as the um, conductor of the world, that's mechayet kulam, that Hashem enlivens the entire world. And I think I, I, I left out something that Ralbag said here philosophically, that what it, what it means is that he enlivened the world, is that when, when other things have exist, when, when I make a table, it sustains its own existence. But Hashem made us, and He's the one who sustains our existence. So Mechayet Kula means that Hashem uh, continuously sustains and gives existence. But so too, the, the, the Malbim is saying the same thing, that Hashem not only made Himself known to us as a creator, but He also made Himself known to us in how He conducts the natural world in its natural order. And thirdly, by conducting miracles. That's how Hashem makes Himself known to us, and that begins with Orkastim, all the way throughout all the miracles it mentions. We, cu- we cut it short by Hayam Bakat Ofneam, but it goes on to speak about Har Sinai and all the other miracles that were done for them. Now, um, the Yaivet says something very interesting. It says, To give to your children, um, to give to his children, I'm sorry, and you uh, upkept your word. Latet is Bigamatria 830. And the first bite, Beit HaMikdash, lasted for 410 years. The second one for 420. Add that up and you have 830. So Latet Kanani to give him the land meant to erect the Beit HaMikdash. And uh, that's the significance of giving, that Hashem wanted to give him the, the, uh, the Beit HaMikdash. Um, the last thing I, we, I think we'll discuss is the, the Temanim in Hag is confusing here. Because the Temanim, and this will, with this we'll end, uh, we mentioned, just to recap, we mentioned the, um, the, the liturgical history and the, you know, the biblical history. We saw how, how very few Sudurim had it. Um, or, sorry, very few Sudurim have a reason for it. How um, the Minhagim developed, how some say half a pasuk, some do not say half a pasuk. We saw the story of Nehemiah. We saw um, that it was composed by Nevi'im. It wasn't actually composed by the Levi'im, but the Levi'im sang it. Uh, we looked at the Pesukim, the Malbim, the Albag. But the one last point I wanted to men- mention is that the Temanim don't say this section at all. The Temanim end with the Shem Tifartecha, and then they say, Vivarchu Shem Kibodecha, Muramam Akol Brachautila. So everything we just said is moot to the Temanim, who literally don't say the entire thing. Um, they say only this half pasuk, which is confounding, because why would you just say half a pasuk? So in the Seder Tichlal, he, he, do, he doesn't seem to know either exactly why this, this occurred. But what could be very likely is that this was the original, original minhag. 
Now, I'm saying this as pure conjecture, but it's possible that in the time of the Geonim, they, they indeed did say Vaverech David, but they ended it with L'Shem Tefertecha. And that was the end of Psukei de Zimra for them. But they began to add, what could have happened was that they began to add at the end um, this, these final words, which, is, which, which are... Um, just to signify that even though we just praised Hashem with all these uh, still Hashem is above any praise we can give. And even though we finished Psukei Zimra, they might have just been trying to say that Hashem is exalted above even that praise. And therefore they added this half a pasuk just as sort of like a, 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 a real appendix to Psukei Zimra. And the Timani might have kept it. If the Timonim are actually keeping the ancient ancient minhag, then it's possible, not for sure, but it's possible that if their minhag is the authentic ancient Geonic one, then the Geonic tradition was to say Bavarch just not to say as Yashir. There was a minhag to say Vivarch Hushem Kvodecha, and from there, just because they said Vivarch Hushem Kvodecha as like an appendix to ending Psukhei Zimra, people started continuing the rest of the Nehemia, and therefore they added the rest of the Nehemia until. Um, the part about splitting the Yamsuf in order to, to make it have something to do, to do with Az Yashir. So that would mean that first came, this is conjecture, but it's possible that first came Vavir Tavid, that was the original Minhag, then uh, the Geonim instituted to, to say that, and then they started saying Az Yashir, and then because people had also always said Vavir Hashem Kvodecha, it's possible that they added that section from Nehemiah until it started speaking about Kriyat Yamsuf, just to bridge it properly with Az Yashir. It is possible that that happened, but that's just one among literally 20 possible theories, and we'll really never know because, uh, you know, even the Temanim don't know why they do it. Uh, they actually add Vatikach Miriam at the Tafbiyadah. They actually add a whole extra section here to Az Yashir, which we'll have to see next time. And Vizat Hashem, yeah, we'll see that next time. Um, I'm not sure if uh, I'll be, obviously, I'm away next week, so I don't think we'll be giving a shear next week. I might record something and upload it if I have the time, so uh, keep uh, keep tabs for that.